All right, so this morning um, I shared last week uh, a message called Winning the War Within, and we talked about Galatians chapter 5, and we talked about the war that Paul writes about here, that the flesh, even after we go all in on Christ and we become a believer and a follower, that there will still be times our fleshly nature will, will pop back up. And it says the flesh wants you to do one thing, and he said the spirit, though it's in control of you, wants you to do another, there will be times you will be tempted, and there will be times you will misstep. And he lists out, right, all the kind of the actions, the attitudes, the thoughts that come along uh, with the flesh, and we're not going to go back through those this morning. Um, and then he lists out the fruits of the spirit. And so we acknowledge that the word of war, and what we say is like you don't have to, you don't have to try to quit doing the bad things of the flesh. You just have to try to follow the Holy Spirit. Remember, that's, that's what he's teaching here. He's not saying, here's the list of all the bad things in life you can do. Here's a list of all the good things. And, and he's not saying, at the end, we're going to put them all on a scale and balance it out and see if you go to heaven or not, if you've got more good than bad. And he's not saying, I'm giving you this list so you know what not to do and what to do. He's saying, I'm going to give you this list, and it, it will be as a, a way, a, a bit of a, an, an examination of your walk. All right, if these things are coming out of your life, it is, a, it, it is an indicator of something inside and internal, and whether you're walking with the Holy Spirit, whether you've given your life to Christ, or whether you're walking in the flesh. He said, these are indicators. And he said, if you want to fix all this, all he says is, follow the Holy Spirit. He said, and we to whom Christ has given eternal life don't need to worry about whether we have been circumcised or not or whether we are obeying the Jewish ceremonies or not. For all we need is faith. That is salvation in and of itself. End of story. Faith in Jesus Christ is how you get saved. There's nothing that can change that. There's nothing that you can do an action outside of faith that can get you saved. There's no action you can take that can cause you to not be saved except not believing in Jesus Christ. 518, it says, when you are guided by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer have to force yourself to obey Jewish laws. You remember the illustration last week, right? You print out the directions to go somewhere, uh, like off the old Rand McNally CD-ROM I had, or you print them off the Internet, and you're trying to follow these directions, and I always got lost. But it's different if you're following somebody that knows where they're going. He said, don't pay attention to all these rules and laws anymore. Focus on the good, on the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, and it will lead you in righteous ways. So that's what he said. Winning the war within was not about a battle, really, because the, the Spirit has already won it. It's about acknowledging that and resting in it and going all in on Christ. Um, so I thought about just going on over to chapter 6 and, uh, and, and, and finishing out this series today. Didn't happen. Not going to happen. Um, we are gonna, we're going we're gonna to slow down, actually, and we're going to look at the fruits of the Spirit. We talked about we're already victorious in Jesus Christ. And so Paul begins to lay out in verses 22 through 23, really just two verses, uh, what, should, what will happen in our life, not should happen. What, what fruit, what actions, what deeds, what attitudes will start to well up inside of a believer, of someone who has given their life uh, to Christ. And, uh, 
And, and there's some things here you got to understand that uh, I'm calling this our victory walk. Knowing that we are victorious, knowing that we are set free from the power, the penalty of sin, knowing that we are set free from the, the, the pressure to try to be good enough and follow all the rules and make sure we never miss church and wear the right things and say the right things and do the right things, we're free from all that. Now what? How do we walk? How does our life bear fruit? What does it look like? What do our friends see? And how should we be different? And there's three things I want you to just kind of think about at the beginning of this. I'll say this. I was going to try to do all nine fruit this morning. I mean, it's going to be a fruit basket like you all never seen. <laughs> and I said, they don't deserve that. Nine in one morning. So we're going to break this into three sermons, okay? We're going to take on three, the first three fruit this morning, a little mini basket, if you will. Uh, and then we'll, we'll work our way through this, this fruit. Um, but I want, to, I want to read you this that I, that I read about uh, the cluster of fruit. It says, we do not become like Jesus by struggling and striving. Having been born of the Spirit, we are also sanctified by the Spirit. How does fruit grow on a tree? Not by struggling and striving. When the branch is in union with the vine and in communion with the vine, then the fruit gradually but certainly appears. John 15, Jesus said it just like this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5 says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 8 of John 15 says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. There's three things when we think about the fruit before we start talking about the fruit. You're going to hear fruit a lot the next three weeks. I'll try to not make it monotonous. One, it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit you live these things out. That, they, that you have the capacity to bring these things into your life. It is only by being connected to the one who made you through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Any other attempt to say, all right, I can love, I can have peace, I can have joy, will fall short of what these words truly mean. You cannot do it. It's only by the power of the Spirit. The Bible also teaches that these fruit, they come gradually. All right? It's not like you get saved and you are just a perfect angel immediately. Right? It's not like everything is now he has the power to do that, and some things you can change immediately, but not you 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 don't have the full understanding of what God is and what he can do for you when you initially and first step out in faith. And so gradually over time, and I've felt this being a Christian for twenty almost thirty years, that I can feel in the last six years this, this growth in me since we started this church of, of how he has is, he is taken things away from me that I used to think was okay and I'm doing now like all of a sudden like just changing my heart about it. Just like gradually over time 
we grow more and more like Christ. Never being perfect until we are with him in heaven. The third thing is, so it's only through the Spirit, it's gradually, uh, but it's certainly. What does that mean? That means you can, you can assess your life by these fruit. He says, it is certain that if you are connected to the vine, you are going to bear some good fruit. Like, it is going to happen. You are not going to have to strive and, and fight for it. It is going to gradually and certainly happen in your life. The power of the Spirit is going to happen. Depending on what you're connected, what vine you're connected. Can you imagine going to a tree? And, like, we got a couple of apple trees. I told Beth, look at our beautiful apple orchard. We planted last week, I mean last year, uh, last fall. It is two little piddly trees in our front yard, and right now they are like dried up and like, you know, I'm just, we're not really, we're not really orchard keepers. We've not watered them. And, and you know, I told her, I was like, I mean, we should just, I, I was kind of joking, but kind of serious. I was like, I, I'm going to give those trees to God. Like, we give everything to him. And if he wants to water them, just let it rain. If they need water, like, there he is. Like, just go ahead and water them. And, you know, if he wants them, that's his will. If he wants them to die, I guess they'll die. But can you imagine once those apple trees come out, if they make it, and they start bearing fruit, and it's like some apples, and it's, and it's some peaches, and it's some bananas. I mean, it's not Willy Wonka's, right? But a tree that's connected to the vine, will an apple tree will bear apples. If it bears anything, it will be apples and it doesn't have to try to do it doesn't have to want to do it god designed it that way it's the power it's, it is supernatural it is what will happen this idea that he says uh i'm gonna skip i'm gonna go to here um in verse 25, it says, If we're living now by the, the Holy Spirit's power, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading. If you go read that in another version, NIV or New King James, it'll say walking by the Spirit. This whole idea of walking, uh, it really gives in, in, in your mindset, uh, it, it's a conscious effort. I mean, I was, Beth and I were talking about this the other day. I was like, it's kind of funny that we just say we're going to go for a walk. Like you just, you know, it's exercise, but you go walk somewhere, you just walk back, like just to walk. But that does not happen if you don't decide to move your feet. I can totally not go for walks. Right? I mean, that's pretty easy for me. That's like my natural state is to not go for a walk. But it takes some forward motion, conscious uh, effort in a life of submission to the Holy Spirit. That we as believers, you can feed the Spirit, you can feed the flesh. And we'll talk about that when we get to chapter 6. And you can bear more fruit or less fruit. But we should have a hunger and be submissive to the Spirit. So what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about love, joy, and peace. These three fruit. Here's what I love. Anybody ever heard of Weight Watchers? Anybody ever done Weight Watchers? How many of y'all love the zero-point list? Right? The zero-point list. Y'all know what it is. It's like you can eat as much of this as you want. 
Like it, all you want of it. And I, I looked that list up. There's 200 things on it. I could probably do Weight Watchers. You know, 200 things on the zero point list. I was like, okay, I could probably do this. Uh, it was a lot of fruits and vegetables and, 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 and uh, boneless, skinless chicken breast. You know, some, some things in there. Refried beans, fat free. And I thought, I could probably do this. Well, here we have in the Spirit what Paul's teaching the Galatians, the church at Galatia. This time, here's some things. Now, you want to live life? And he gets and he says, of, of these things, the Spirit's going to pour out of you. There's no law against it. Like, man, you can have as much of this as you want. Like, it's yours to go get. This is the zero point list. From the Holy Spirit. Like, this is all you want. You're living in these things. It's not going to cause you to gain weight. It's not going to do anything. It's going to be all good for you. As much as you want the zero-point Holy Spirit list. And it starts with love. Let's talk about love for just a minute. I'm going to try to not take a lot of time on these. I just want to give you the, the high spots. This love the, in the Greek uh, is the word agape. Y'all have heard that before, I'm sure. Agape love. This is, this is what would be known or uh, understood by the Galatian church as some supernatural uh, love. It's a love of the mind, of the reason, of the will. It is a love that is regardless of feelings. You say, well, I fell in love with my, my honey. And we got married, and two years later, hmm, not much love. You know, he's always leaving his clothes on the hamper instead of in it. You know, whatever it is, God loves in a way that is outside of feelings and what we feel in the heart. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's a, it's a love of the mind, of the reason, of the will, and it's regardless of feelings. This is the kind of love you, don't, you, you can't try to get. You don't have it. Your nature loves yourself more than your neighbor. You can't try hard to love your neighbor and love them without feelings, without being connected to the Holy Spirit. It is a love that loves even when the person does not deserve to be loved. Now, you know those people, they've just done one or two things wrong. You're like, they don't deserve to be loved right now. They messed up. And then it's also a love that loves the person who is utterly unworthy, not just like messed up once. Like this person has never done anything good ever. And it loves them anyway. Where does this love come from? It is, uh, it is the love of God. He is... This, he is the source of this. Romans 5.8 said, But God demonstrates his own agape, his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. When we were meant to be his enemies, when we'd done everything to become God's enemy, he befriended us. This 
is agape love. It's also a gift of God. Romans 5, 5 says, Then when that happens, we are able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well, for we know how dearly God loves us, and we feel this warm love everywhere within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His agape, with His love. He, through the Holy Spirit, he fills our hearts with this kind of supernatural, just not, uh, it's not the kind of love that you would expect to find in our community. So it's fine, it's the love of God, it's a gift of God, and not only that, it is the greatest gift. He starts with the best thing right here it's not just from him and it's not just it doesn't just describe him god is love but it comes from him he gifts it to us when we believe in him and then we also find that love this agape man it is the greatest thing in the world it is the greatest thing in the world mark 12 29 jesus replied uh, the one that says hero israel the lord our god is the one and only god and you must love him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength that was after someone asked, what's the greatest commandment? What's the number one thing we got to do? He said, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says the second is, you must love agape. You must love others as much as yourself. No other commandments are greater than these. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. And y'all been to Hobby Lobby, ain't you? You can finish that just by, if you've been to Hobby Lobby, you know what the end of that is. And the greatest of these is agape, love. When Jesus, after, uh, after his resurrection, he spent his time 40 days with the disciples and he's preparing for his ascension and getting ready to send them into the nations to launch the first early church. And he meets Peter on the shore. Y'all remember this story, right? Peter's out fishing with his friends. He says, I'm going fishing. I love that story. I preached a sermon called Going Fishing. Um, and he's out there, and, and Peter's on the boat with his friends, and, and he sees from a distance somebody sitting on the shore, and uh, they've not caught anything all night, just what happens every time when we try to do things on our own. And uh, the man on the shore holler said, cast your net over there. And Peter, just in his frustration, does it. And as soon as he catches all the fish, he knows who the man on the shore is. He throws off his tunic. Y'all know what a tunic is. I'll just say jacket. And he jumps in the water. I want to be like Peter. I want to be like that. Don't you? Like, man, that's Jesus. Whatever it takes, I'm swimming through this to get to him. And he gets to him. He sits around. Jesus makes him breakfast, dinner, whatever time of day it is. I can't remember. But he's cooking fish on the campfire. And he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And the first time he says it, it's not agape if you go back to the Greek. It's a word that just means like friendly love. Are you my friend? Are you my acquaintance? Peter says, you know I do. And then Jesus says, but, but Peter, do you love me? He says it again a second time. And that time it's a different Greek word that means like brotherly love, like family, like it's pretty deep. Peter says, you know I do. I love you. And Jesus in between is saying, feed my sheep. He's, he's preparing him. And then he asks him the third time, he says, do you love me? And he uses agape. 
Because Jesus loved Peter like that. And the only way Peter could ever love Jesus or love anybody else like that is to put his faith and trust in him. And you see what happens when Peter gets filled by the Holy Spirit. He's a different man. He's a different man that, 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 was, that was denying Jesus three times before the cock crowed uh, when he was getting ready to get crucified. And when he's standing before the Sanhedrin saying, you all are one that crucified the chief cornerstone. That is a different man. And it was by the power and only by the power of the Holy Spirit. The second fruit of the Spirit in our mini fruit basket is joy. Uh, and this is something, the Greek word is chara, chara, C-H-A-R-A. This is something like we hunger for in America, a good time. We hunger for a good time. Am I wrong? Uh, and, we, and when we find joy, you can find joy in the world in a lot of different things. Uh, your children, your family, vacations, it's summertime, uh, uh, trips. Uh, some people just find joy in God's creation, in, in the land, in rivers, and, and hills, and mountains, and streams. Uh, and weddings, y'all find joy in weddings? What's the difference between a wedding and a double funeral? That's not a good joke for a preacher to tell up here. I'm going to stop right there. Maybe we find joy in, uh, in, in good friends and spending time with friends. The world will tell us we can only find joy uh, in, in all of those, uh, in all of the acts of the flesh, right? Of material things, of, of addiction and drunkenness, of, of anger, of, uh, you know, all these things of the flesh, like... But the Bible says that there's pleasure in sin, there's joy in sin for a season, but it doesn't last. This word joy is something different. Here's what's beautiful about this kind of joy. It's a deep-seated pleasure regardless of circumstances. When Moses set the children of Israel free in Egypt, yeah, it was exciting to be free. And they, they, they were celebrating with, with shouts of joy. But you know where they were, right? In the desert. <laughs> they, they were not in the promised land. They could not, they're not like looking and in the distance they could see the promised land. Like they're in the desert and there's obstacles all around them. Now they didn't, they didn't hold on to that joy very long. But for, for, a, for a moment, regardless of the circumstances... Okay, this, this is the type of supernatural joy that we can find here that, we, that only comes from the Spirit. That we can find joy even when life and the things around us does not demand it or expect it and, 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 and things are bad. That we can still have this level of joy. And have the, the psalmist in um, Psalm, let's see, 105, verse 43. Talking about the Israelites, it says they left with joy, yet they were in uh, the desert. And it said the chosen ones with shouts of joy. This type of spiritual fruit that, 
that says, and even regardless of circumstances, financial, spiritual, health, family, that we can find joy. We say it's not determined by our struggles, but it's about our future destiny. It's about focused on our heavenly life, that we know God has saved us, that, man, it's going to come with some struggles here. But when you really are anchored and you're focused on God's kingdom instead of this kingdom or my own kingdom or, 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 or this life, we can find joy regardless of struggles and circumstances. Similar is true for peace. Kind of fruit, uh, the kind of fruit he's building us, love, joy, and peace. It's the last one we're going to talk about this morning. Um, this means to bind together, to join, to weave together with himself, with God, and others. The Hebrew word for this is shalom, which means freedom from trouble. And much more. You know how I instinctively try to find peace in the world? Denial. Where we try to escape the struggles. That way we think if we get away to an island or we get away to the mountains or we get away that we can find peace we refuse to face things to acknowledge our own brokenness in our life to acknowledge broken relationships I mean we just the peace of the world will tell you only find peace by pretending like things in your life don't exist the bad things we try to find peace through pleasure satisfaction, contentment, positive thinking Denial. John sixteen thirty three says, I've told you all this so that you will have peace. This is Jesus talking. Peace of heart and mind. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but cheer up, for I've overcome the world. Ephesians 2, verse 13 says, But now you belong to Christ Jesus, and though you once were far away from God. Oh, man, this is good right here. All right. What did I say peace was in the beginning? It was meaning to bind together, to join, to weave together. The lack of peace comes from brokenness, right? Separation, conflict. But Ephesians 2, Paul wrote, But now you belong to Christ Jesus, and though you once were far away from God, now you've been brought very near to him because of what Jesus Christ has done for you with his blood. Verse 14 says, For Christ himself is our way of peace. He has made peace between us and Jews and you Gentiles by making us all one family, breaking down the wall of contempt that used to separate us. That's why I believe there should be diversity in the church. There should be, there should be people, of different, uh, people of different races, people of different socioeconomic status. People like, we're all believers. In this place, we become, as followers of Jesus, one people. But the real peace that he's talking about here is this peace between 
you and your creator. The peace, they can only be found through Jesus because we know we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And sin separates us from God because he's so righteous and perfect. Our sin separates us from him. But immediately when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he declares us righteous. He sees us as perfect because the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied uh, to our life. And in that, we find a peace. With, I mean, when you're at peace with God, when you know, man, he is my father. He loves me. He's poured out grace and mercy on me. He, he's told me that if I should ask, he'll get it for me. And we talked about that verse one time. That doesn't mean the new Xbox is coming out. Because right, when you get the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, it begins to change your will and your desires and anything you ask for. But I'm telling you something, and I believe it just like with the gym. When, when, when God puts a desire, all right, when, when, he, when there's a spiritually led desire and will and calling in somebody's life, when you ask for that, God is unstoppable. Like when, when it's like it's a Holy Spirit-led desire and you ask for it, I mean, either we believe what he said or we don't. Like he's going to fulfill his will and he's unstoppable. And a lot of what prayer is about is not necessarily changing God, but changing your heart when you're spending time with him. And when he's speaking through you and you start asking for what his will is and just to do it, I mean, y'all remember the prayer I prayed for the market when we were getting ready to open it. We were going to need fifteen or $18,000 to open it. And I was like, I mean, me and Beth were like, we could throw in a little, but not that. I mean, <laughs> and we were sitting at the dinner table that morning. We were praying. Or we were, I was preaching on those verses. That's going to be given to you. And it, that thought aligned with me like, oh, man, if God, if this place is you, then I'm just going to say, do it. Like, that was literally the prayer I prayed. And with that day, we got $16,000 through two donations. That day. I mean, and that, and I remember looking at Beth and being like, oh, Lord. God is bigger than I thought. Like, I mean, I believe, but this is crazy. The beautiful thing I love about this uh, is that I see our church doing it, doing these three things. Um, and I don't mean like this building or the organization our church. I see you all. Man, when I see you all doing things that's bearing this fruit, it just blesses me immensely. I'm seeing it uh, happen at the market where we are hiring the people that maybe others won't or wouldn't. Where I see it, uh, where, where we, we, have, we have someone who has a, uh, someone that's doing work around their house and find out uh, they're, they're in addiction and they've stolen from them. Instead of calling the cops, they call the pastor. Man, that's agape love, isn't it? 
that shares the gospel with them, that says, I love you, but we got to work this out. we got to figure this out. You don't need to go to jail. Go talk to Jared. <laughs> oh, Lord. I need handcuffs. No, I'm kidding. And I see the heart of those people. They're saying, nobody's ever loved me like that. Well, I hear them saying, they, why are we here and not there? It's because this agape love has been poured out through the Holy Spirit into his people. And when it comes out, it begins to change lives. And, and I see it, and, and, and just a few weeks ago, it was uh, Wednesday night, we were doing our youth ministry. The mix is what it's called upstairs, and we have lots of kids that come. We run our bus, uh, and... Um, and there was three kids that came and were out back, though, three boys, and nobody has ever seen them before, nobody knew them. And, um, and somebody said, hey, there's three boys back there, you should go talk to them, shooting ball on our basketball goal. And I can, and, and I can remember as a kid, and I was thinking, oh, I know what the pastor's supposed to do in this situation. And my, uh, what? What's the instinct? Like, hey, you're not, you know, if your family's going to our church, you can't be over here playing our ball. You've never been here. You can't be. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? Why did that thought come to my mind that I should go run them off? And so I went out there and I said, hey, what are y'all doing? They said, shooting ball. I said, give me the ball. And they gave me the ball and I started shooting. Not great. I made a few. And I I started shooting with them, and they were like, wait. And then one of them said, hey, can I guard you? And I said, I doubt it. <laughs> and so I was playing with them, you know. And uh, I said, asked them where they live, and they said Kentucky Avenue. And uh, I said, well, I'm, I'm so glad to see you guys here. You need to go upstairs, man. we got food. You should go eat and hang out with the other kids. And two of them were going, mm-mm. The other one was going. <laughs> and... Uh, and I said, you should, you should really go up and eat. And they, they wouldn't go up and eat. I said, well, y'all keep playing. And I came in here, and I texted upstairs, and I said, hey, there's some kids back there. I want y'all to take them some food down. And uh, so they took, like, a couple plates of food and uh, set a little table out there, and they absolutely devoured it. And, um, and so they brought more food down, and they ate it. And... Um, and, uh, oh, I forgot the last part of the story. I told him, if, if I make this shot, will you go upstairs? I did do that with them. And, um, and uh, they said, yeah, we'll do that. If you make it from there, we'll go upstairs. And I airballed it. And I was like, God, that was yours. You didn't want them up there. I mean, <laughs> I got it. I was, all right. Like, Thank you. Protecting us. And uh, but but eventually Bethany, my wife, she got them she got them upstairs that evening, and they loved the games, and they were playing. They didn't go to a class. Well, you got if you're gonna play games, you gotta no. Don't know these kids. We love you. Like play that game. Uh, the next Wednesday night, uh, they show up. Last Tuesday night, I mean, one of them found our Facebook page and was like, "Hey, are y'all having church tomorrow?" I'm going to tell you, there's going to be little moments and times that you're going to bump into people that, that deserve some things. That you're going to have an opportunity to just show some agape. And actually, it's going to come out in your life. If you're giving your heart to Christ, this is coming out. And this is how he reaches people. 
Jesus said, this is how people are going to know that you are my, my disciples is because of the agape love that's inside of you. I think about when I walk in the apartment over under the boxing gym and there's somebody living there that uh, has nowhere else to live and probably isn't paying rent and is a total mess. And he says, hey, but I just want to tell you, one of your members, if it wasn't for him, I'd be on the streets. And I see what God's doing. And I know what he's doing. He's not doing it because we're trying and struggling and striving. He is doing it because you and so many others are walking in the Spirit. This is what your victory walk looks like. It's filled with love, with joy and with peace. God, as we prepare to close uh, this morning, we're just so thankful that you've brought some broken people together here that love other broken people. And God, through our brokenness and coming to you, we can be reconciled to you and to one another. God, and that we're seeing lives changed slowly, steadily, Gradually, but certainly, we see your fruit coming to bear. And God, we're so thankful, not that we've done good or anybody here has done good and helped other people. God, we just thank you that you poured your love into us through your Holy Spirit. That you've given us this ability that we cannot do without your help. God, we just pray you let us see. Let's have a hunger for more love, for more joy, for more peace in our life. Let us see that these are things that can't come from the world that only come from you. <laughs> Let us rest in it today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
us to sing that one more time just as a congregation, Emily. If you could get us started and then we'll just back off the mics. I want us all to sing this. your first time here you can uh, step out front they'll call upstairs and get your kids for you uh, and continue to pray uh, as we work into this new ministry at the gym and be there for one another this week all right have a blessed week <laughs>